0: Already, hospital facilities have begun to crack under the strain major cities in all parts of the country new york los angeles report plague victims falling dead in the streets in their homes at their work conrad channel this is a class one emergency all civilian traffic is barred from streets and highways stay in your homes stay in your homes those found without specific military orders are subject to summary execution stay in your homes repeat conrad channel this is a class one emergency all civilian traffic is barred from streets and highways And hello to everyone out there in podcast land. This is John Seven with the second episode of How I Spent My Pandemic. Today I'll be talking with author Allie Benjamin. Now you may know Allie from her first book for young readers, The Thing About Jellyfish, that was released in 2015. Big bestseller. Uh, reviewed Everywhere, Beloved, and even a National Book Award finalist. Allie followed that up with The Next Great Polyfink in 2019. And her upcoming book, due out in 2021, it's called The Smash Up. And it's an updated take on Edith Wharton. And the way you can tell it's an updated take is because it takes place during the week of the Kavanaugh hearings. And I don't believe Edith Wharton ever wrote about the Kavanaugh hearings. I'll have to double-check that, but I'm pretty sure. Allie and I began our chat with me asking what she was working on the moment before she realized that the pandemic was a serious thing that would result in quarantine, long lockdown, all the stuff. And uh, she informed me that she was actually editing that book. Completely intense. Intense in the middle of her editing and rewriting of the smash up. And that's where we start.
1: That's pretty much where my head was. I've got uh, two teenage daughters. One was in eighth grade and one was a senior in high school. And so they were mostly gone doing high school related things. Um, I had a lot of time to myself uh, just to think about my books. And of course there were other things. My older daughter was in an accident last summer and she was doing a lot of physical therapy and needed to Mm. get surgery um, in sort of early, mid March. Uh, So we had things like that on, you know, lying ahead, but that's pretty much where my head was. with just kind of my book and my solitude and what I needed to do to move forward and get it ready for publication.
0: Right. How much more time did you have on the, uh,
1: Editing. Oh, that's always such a moving target. Uh, you know, you never really know when something is done, when a book is done until it's done. And I think I had gone through one, maybe I hadn't even quite finished one major round of edits since it sold. So usually you take a manuscript to an editor, um, they, you know, hopefully they buy it and then they give you suggestions. And I remember when it came back to me with all my editor's suggestions, I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is too hard. What she's asking. <laughs> I I've clearly reached my, uh, the outermost limits of my ability. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I had been in that space for a little while and I think I hadn't quite finished the round of edits where I was like, Oh, Oh, Hey, look at me. I just pushed through that. Um, and, uh, but I was probably nearing the end of that. And, but that's really like when I'm like deep in edits, that is where my head is. It's, um, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. when I'm doing other things and working on other things and cooking dinner, or walking the dogs, my head is sort of cycling over and over and over kind of what I need to do to push back past where I am and into kind of the promised land of a better book.
0: Mm-hmm. So did you have any idea of, like, I know when I finish projects or when Jana finishes a project, we might have a kind of celebration um, plan, not not a big deal necessarily, but it might, you know, something to sort of mark that this, this big thing ended for us. And um, did you have anything like that?
1: Uh, I had a week that I was going to have to myself where my husband and kids went down to visit my mother-in-law and I just Mm. kind of like finished what I needed to finish and then come down from it. That was kind of the, I was looking forward to that in mid-March, but,
0: Mm. um, Uh, And then (laughs) then that did
1: not happen at all. And I guess another thing worth saying is that I've been doing a lot since the 2016 election on politics. And I was really looking forward to a a summer of working on that. I was actually thinking I would go to Georgia where I've got family and knock on doors and try to canvas to try to turn things around. And Mm. um, I'd been working on a fundraiser to flip the Senate as well. Um, And that was actually a pretty big part of my life as well. And obviously those plans changed because there's only so much a person can do out in person right now.
0: So when did you realize that this was real and (laughs) you were going to be inside for a while?
1: So I remember it was in uh, probably February that I listened to the New York times has a podcast called the daily and they had had their infectious disease expert featured and he was talking about it. Maybe, I guess by that point, maybe it was in Washington state. Um, and, uh, this was the podcast. And I can remember I was just driving around the Berkshires and listening to it. And this, this kind of coldness was going through me like top to bottom, head to toe, uh, as I was listening to him and I was, as I was listening to his recommendations, like you're going to want to stock up. You're going to want to have a month's worth of food on hand. You're going to want, like, mm. this is real. Uh, this is going to affect a lot of people. This is going to change all of our lives. And it was still pretty early. And I remember as I was driving, just thinking like, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this. <laughs> Jeez, uh, curse. I was like, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Uh, And I, right, probably that night I did go to the grocery store, and at that point you could still get Clorox wipes, and you Mm -hmm. could still get rubbing alcohol, and you know. And I, I just tried to, I, I tried not to hoard, but I tried to have. We don't tend to have very much on hand in this house, you know. We tend to shop. For maybe a couple of days in advance, but not more than a couple of days, and often not even a couple of days. We're sort of, Mm. we we tend to think about what we need as we need it. Um, And so I tried to think ahead a little bit, like, okay, well, let's say they close down grocery stores. I'm going to need toothpaste. Okay, like, let me get toothpaste. Um, And I came home and I was talking to Blair, my husband. And I remember we were just standing in the kitchen, sort of talking through, okay, well, what if we can't get, medicine for the kids what if we can't get um just i I can't even remember what the things were but i remember Mm -hmm. it was an experience where like even as you're having the experience in real time there is a part of you watching yourself have the like you're you're having a conversation and you're watching yourself have the conversation Mm -hmm. and The part of me that was watching myself have the conversation was saying, is this real? Is this actually really happening? And then um, my daughter, so as I was saying, she did need surgery. She was supposed to get it kind of over her spring break in March. She had an appointment with the doctor. She was in an accident last summer, and she kind of Mm -hmm. smashed her leg to bits and um, just has had a series of physical therapy and surgeries. And uh, so we went to Boston Medical Center on March 9th. That was a Monday. And that was when they did lab work to clear her for surgery. And as soon as the lab work cleared her, then they were getting her on the calendar. And they did the lab work on Monday. I think we got a message about the results on Tuesday afternoon saying, yep, she's cleared for surgery. And I called on Wednesday morning to schedule the surgery. And by Wednesday morning, between Monday and Wednesday, everything had shut down. So on Monday, when we went in, uh, some like the medical assistants were wearing masks. The doctor I think was not wearing a mask. He didn't shake our hand. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And there was a lot of, you know, like I was very aware of all that antibacterial stuff all over the hospital, Um, but it still felt a little bit normal. And by Wednesday, they had closed surgery and by that Friday it was like the whole world had just closed down. It was like this series of, of dominoes. Um, and that mm. was it. And then there we were in kind of our quarantine and then it became something yeah. totally different. I think, uh, you know, the girls by then, I think it was at, within the next couple of days that schools were announced that they had gone online and then we were just kind of all home together, you know, at the end of a long Berkshires winter.
0: Yeah. So did you find, now that everybody was at home together, and, and I know that it's not as if they weren't at home before, but now they're home all day, uh, did you find yourself in like a tug of war for your attention at all? Because you were used to at least, I guess, having time to yourself to to do your work. and
1: Right, uh, and yes, I absolutely did. Uh, It was a tug of war. We live in a really tiny house. It was still winter. It was still cold outside. Um, uh, Suddenly everybody is on Zooms all day long. We didn't have enough doors that shut. you know, everybody like everything was a mess. Everything was just such a mess all the time. And we're all having to move around one another. And we're definitely taxing the limits of our Wi-Fi. Uh, and it was it, it was really a challenge for me. I, I, I find writing and I don't know if you relate to this. I find that I need um, not just time and quiet, but kind of mm deep time and deep quiet in order to go Mm -hmm. into a creative place. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if I have like (laughs) the room that's quiet with a door that can shut, I have it for, uh, You know, an hour before then somebody else needs to move in and use that space. An hour is not really enough time for me to go to that deeper creative place. So I found it really frustrating. I will confess, I'm not going to say what the place was, but somewhere probably by the end of March, I was uh, I, I was really getting just kind of frustrated and I was much more snappish than I want to be. And, um, I was mad at myself for not being able to use the time that I had. I was talking to somebody in town about it and they had access to a space and I'm not going to say what it is, but it was, a, <laughs> it was a quiet place, uh, that nobody else was, and I could go there and be by myself, and it felt hmm. it felt safe. It felt um, uh, it, it gave me a kind of quiet um, that uh, that I really needed. And I will say, like that person, I am so 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 grateful. And even though like it didn't last that long, it did exactly what I needed it to. I was really working on the conclusion of my book, and I just. Yeah needed to be able to sit in a quiet space and um, they gave me that and I'm just profoundly that's, grace grateful.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: It was all a little so, under the radar, but it was good.
0: <laughs> so that lasted for you a little while you said,
1: well, yeah. So
0: yeah.
1: as soon as it started getting warmer outside, I felt a lot better because then you know there was I have we've got a back deck I could go sit on the back deck mm-hmm. I could go you know, there were places in town that I could go and sit outside for me the hardest part was really when it was just too cold to be anywhere outside yeah um, and I'm pretty tolerant like I can go out there in like a parka and a hat but it was really unpleasant in the I'm gonna say all the way through April I. Uh, that's my memory anyway. Um, I would take these long, long walks. I would just like (laughs) start walking and like, just there's a field by us. I would go like up to the field and just walk in circles around the field just to try to get, (laughs) um, I don't know, kind of my head on straight a little bit and get a little bit of solitude. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then, um, like I say, as soon as as soon as the weather got nice, my mood improved dramatically. My relationships with the people in my life improved dramatically. Uh, <laughs> everything, you know, as soon as it, like the trees started budding, um, I, it it all just felt a whole lot better. And now we're heading back into winter, and yeah, uh, I'm bracing myself.
0: Though so at least you know what it's like, and.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Maybe, maybe could plan a little bit. Yes.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's part of it is everybody was in a place of just responding um and the kids were I mean they were so desperately unhappy. You know, my daughter was in her senior year of high school um and it just ended. Like it just ended so unceremoniously and suddenly, you know, she's supposed to just be connecting with her friends through a screen, um, mm-hmm. indefinitely. I, I think also not knowing how long any of it was going to last made it really, uh, right. especially hard. Um, you know, it was just something, I mean, it's the same way for, it is for everyone. And I'll say like, we're, we're very lucky, you know, like I'm, what I'm complaining about are you know, as sort of things related mm-hmm. to mood um, and uh, challenges in relationships. And that's all real. But my goodness, it, it like could have been so much, you know, it is for many people. Um, oh, yes. So much worse. It's a, uh, uh, and it's hard to know what to do with that. It's, you know, uh, it, I, I feel like this is such a, um, a challenge about mm-hmm. the now is we know you know you can you can open up the news and just scroll through infinite hardship and of, of sort of infinite depth um, and and it's coming yeah. from everywhere and it's so hard to to see it and to know it and to know how to respond to it um, in this kind of world where we have, and especially right now where it, it, we're being told we can't really even go out into the world to try to do anything. I don't know. I, I...
0: Well, I was going to ask you because um, one of your lost opportunities for the year was um, like you were going down South and doing the uh, political work, but, and yet this pandemic is, you cannot separate it from the politics which i don't know if anybody would have expected but it became a a political hotbed all on its own so you know i wonder how you during all this and having these plans looked at that happening and yeah
1: uh i remember sort of toward the beginning and I I was being naive, and uh, I was aware that I must be being naive. Um, I remember thinking, well, maybe we'll all understand that we're all in it together, that we're a society, that we're a society, and that what some of us, what any of us do affects all of the other parts. Um, And even as I thought that, there was a part of me that was like, oh, this will get politicized. It'll all get politicized. And I didn't know how, but here we are. Um. I, uh, I, I remember, to a moment where I kind of realized, like, oh, this is going to be, like, gun violence. This is going to be, um, like, so many other things in our society where it's going to be everyone
0: mm-hmm.
1: out for themselves. Like, it, it, it's on us to protect ourselves. No help is coming from the federal government. Uh, so, in a way, that's you know, it's extra galvanizing. I think um, the the government that we have right now is completely, <laughs> uh, completely insufficient, unacceptable, um, mm. just horrific. Honestly, um, uh, it, it feels like a dystopian nightmare. This idea that like you know we're all just out for ourselves, and you know, good luck. Good luck to all of us. Um, so it did galvanize me, and I have managed to do things in my own way. I've um, worked on some pop-up uh, fundraisers to try to flip the Senate. I've done text bankings to voters in swing states. I've, um, oh goodness, I don't know. I've <laughs> I i do not have the list, but I've got. I've been like continuing to try to do things like writing newsletters, sending emails, um, trying to get as many people involved in trying to affect the outcome of this election as possible. I've been really inspired by how many people are doing that. I just did a fundraiser. Oh, within the last month um, where I talked to John Lovett of crooked media, he does Mm -hmm. the podcast, love it or leave it and pod save America. And um, it was just, you know, it was a zoom fundraiser. It was, uh, he's on for an hour. People pay money to do it. And I couldn't Mm -hmm. believe the response to that. I couldn't believe when I emailed people to invite them, how many people from different corners of my life wrote back and said, Here's what I'm doing in my community. Here's what I'm doing in my community. And that's really hopeful. I don't know.
0: Do you think that the virtual fundraising and activism has been, um, well, two things. Do you find it as effective as real life versions? And also, is it as fulfilling to the person? organizing the, the stuff.
1: Hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's as effective. I don't get to know mm-hmm. the counterfactual. You know, it's all surmising. Um I think it's more effective than I thought it could be. Um, you know, when I knew that this fundraiser we were gonna do live was not happening, I you know, it's kind of like, uh, what are we going to do? Um, and I wasn't sure we would be able to raise money through Zoom fundraisers. But, um, but you know, so I've been working with this local group, Greylock, mm-hmm. together to do these things. And collectively, uh, we've done four fundraisers uh, that have raised almost $100,000 nice. going toward flipping the Senate, all virtual. Um, so, th- you know yeah, it's only one hundred thousand yeah. dollars, but it's hundred thousand dollars. Like would we have would we have been able to do that live? I, I don't know. Um, uh, is it as as rewarding for me doing the organizing? Um, I mean, maybe not. There's something really um, valuable about talking mm-hmm. to people in the real world, meeting them in time and space. Um, You know, I've done in previous elections knocking on doors for candidates and um, it's not always pleasant, but then you do make these connections that feel really Mm -hmm. meaningful and... I miss that. I try, you know, I get a lot of like texts from people who are text banking for different things. I used to never respond to them. Now I do. Now I just write back like, Hey, thanks for what you're doing. Like, here's what I'm doing. Um, now that I've sort right, of been on the right. text banking side of things, I, uh, I know that it actually matters that you get responses back and that it feels good. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a different kind of rewarding, I guess. Um, but I do miss people miss meeting people in yeah, time yeah. and space, but
0: with the with yeah. the withdrawal from the real world, I know that well you might you might not have planned on on writing anything right away, but I'm wondering if with all this time, you found yourself maybe working on another project or um considering one, you know, during all this? Uh,
1: You know, what's funny is this book that I sold last year that is now completed. It's, uh, it feels like it's only gotten more timely. It is a, it's a retelling of uh, Edith Wharton's novella ethan Frome, which is sort of it's a story about a small town love triangle a man who's caught between duty and passion um but it's set in 2018 and it's in my mind i was sort of picking these characters up and dropping them in the middle of um 2018 the week of the kavanaugh hearings which was a kind of turbulent week um and it's about the way the political can affect infect uh Kind of lives at a micro level. So it's one family trying to move through this really difficult, um, divided week in America. It's, you know, the old line, the mm-hmm. the political is the personal. The personal is the political. Uh, and it kind of walks that line. It's interesting. Um, You know, when I wrote it, it felt really new. And then the pandemic happened, um, all the Black Lives Matter protests, and suddenly the Kavanaugh Mm -hmm. hearings felt like ancient history. I mean, it felt like (laughs) it felt like a decade ago. And now we're moving into another Supreme Court nomination, another fight. And um, I don't know how it's going to feel. I don't I don't I don't know if it'll you know, I don't know if it'll be hard for people Mm. to read in the middle of that uh or if it will feel really relevant it's it's uh, i get it's like with any creative thing you don't actually get to know how people will respond right. in the moment um but you just try to write or you know create what looks like truth to you um as for another project i yeah. just feel like i'm still feeling around um I, I don't feel like i've struck upon that perfect thing i'm doing a lot more reading than i am writing these days uh and i'm reading like you know right now i'm on page 700 something of uh, george Eliot's middle march which is a book that i've always been like no that's a brick i'm not going to read that but uh somehow the pandemic makes it yeah, feel yeah. like oh yeah i can tackle this um reading a lot more classics and things that i might not be as tempted to pick up during a really busy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. time of life um and I don't know, I don't know creativity uh, people ask like how do you come up with your ideas? And every good idea I've ever had has been more like it, it's felt like right. luck than anything else. Like it's like, oh, just the idea popped in my head while I was right. doing XYZ. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. I don't know where it came from, but uh, and I don't feel like I've had that kind of lightning bolt moment i'll talk to writers sometimes who say that they've got their they've got their ideas for their next book and the book after that and the book after that and they're all lined mm-hmm. up neatly like box cars and i don't have that i when you write something you got to spend so much time with it it's years and um i don't feel like i have tons of great ideas for things that i really really want right. to spend years with well part um, of the reason
0: i, I had wondered that yeah. Um, Is sort of the flip side of the reasoning, um, because on one hand, there's the time and the the distance that, that allows you to work and maybe have some brain time. But on the other hand, it's, you know, you're in the middle of something with this. It's 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 unresolved. And I think maybe back in March, we might not have fully understood how unresolved it would be in you know approaching October and so it seems to me that it it, it might not be easy for a, a person to conceive of something during this time um, because we don't know what it is does that make sense to you
1: it makes perfect sense yeah to try to I think it's a real talent um and some people are able to do it to take what is happening around us and make sense of it even as it's happening like i remember um mm-hmm. george saunders the writer george saunders who's just the best um, I, i'll read anything he writes he's brilliant but he's also uh he comes across as just so filled with humanity he wrote in—I want to say it was July 2016. He wrote a piece in the New Yorker about going to Trump rallies, and uh, I feel like July 2016, a lot of us were still trying to figure out, like, what the heck is happening? What's happening? And he wrote this piece that described what he saw at these rallies, and if well, I read it recently, and it still felt—it um, felt spot on. It felt prescient. It is really beautiful and kind of filled with humility and filled with humanity and um, also filled with kind of uh, a sense Mm -hmm. of unfolding horror about um, something that's infected our national dialogue. Uh, And, you know, so he's somebody who can do that. I feel like um, I I tend to be a slower processor, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, you know, where I, I, it takes a while for it to settle in, you know, on the other hand, I wrote the book about the Kavanaugh hearing, you know, this book that's set during the week of the Kavanaugh hearings, not long after the Kavanaugh hearings, it was almost like I needed, uh, you know, I'd been writing it a little bit beforehand and I didn't have the thing that it was going to hang on. I knew that there was this family story. I knew kind of who the characters were but I didn't. It was too amorphous. And then I lived through that week of the Kavanaugh hearings. And I was like, aha, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that I need. Um, um, this is the thing that uh, it's it's one event rather than just this kind of amorphous thing that, uh, you yeah. know, is sort of happening vaguely in all kinds of different ways. So. I don't know. I I don't feel like I have my pandemic yeah. story yet. That's for sure.
0: And the pandemic story just wraps itself around other stories and engulfs right. other stories. So it's hard to even know. It's it's a pandemic, but it's it's all these other things, and it's it's hard to know what that that monster is standing mm-hmm. so close to it. That's right. Um,
1: you know what I read right before the pandemic? That was actually one of the best books to prepare me for the pandemic was um jenny odell's how yeah jenny odell that's right how to do Mm -hmm. nothing do do you know that book oh it's so brilliant it's so beautiful it is it is um almost a meditation on freeing your own mind from noise Mm -hmm. and um and giving your own brain space and uh giving yourself the kind of solitude um, that's not attached to productivity in any kind of clear sense, that's not attached to outcome in any clear sense. And she weaves together philosophy and literature and visual art. Um, and it is uh, it really does give you permission to give yourself space and time. And, um, you know, so there were days like particularly when the weather started getting warm during the pandemic, where I would go outside and do nothing at all. I would just look out at the backyard and at the robins who had started showing up and then the sparrows. And, um, and I don't know anything about birds, but I would like watch their behavior. I'd watch the squirrels doing what they do. And it was, um, and I felt like I had the permission I needed to, to just be and to let it be. Um, and so I guess I'm trying to do that with kind of next projects, not to put too much pressure on myself to find exactly the thing and to try to make sense of it yet, to just kind of experience what it is right now. Um, and trust that that's the thing I need for whatever that means down the road.
0: And thank you to my guest, Allie Benjamin. Don't forget to keep an eye out for Allie's book. 2021. Again, it's called The Smash Up, and it's from Random House. It'll be there in the spring when everything's bright and sunny and the future looks much better. Music for the show is provided by The Mighty Atom. You could buy all sorts of recordings by The Mighty Atom at destroythemightyatom.bandcamp.com, and you should. As for me, you can find out everything you need to know and plenty of things you don't need to know at john7.me. It'll be a revelation for you. And I'll be back again talking to more people about life during a worldwide pandemic.